Thanks for joining me in Chef Feast Sandbox. I'm April Don Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Ingrid Allegre, aka Cyberfay Ingrid. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the first thing that we do is we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? Mm. Usually when I'm out, something simple, just like a oat latte <laughs> mm. or a flat white. What's the weather like? <laughs> right. Well, for me, it started off really cold here in Houston, and now it, it's going to be in the 70s later. So mm -hmm. I decided to go with the floral print and act like it's summer. Yeah, I love that. We just had a bunch of snow come in yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, now that you have your warm, refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. Sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing small, but other times it can look like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Ingrid, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Mm, claims to fame. I feel like I've personally worked behind the scenes so much. So I'm a Virgo sun and I have a Gemini moon and Libra rising. So I have many talents and I'm always supporting my friends. One of the things that I like to work on most recently is my partner and I, we're selling secondhand clothing online. It's called Secondhand Studios. And you would literally see me as like one of the clothing model Models. fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then aside from that, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a nobody now, a secret connoisseur well, of things. I, I was doing some uh, snooping online. Once you accepted my invitation to come onto the show, I was like, I don't know anything about her. Let me see if I can find out something. And I really didn't dig too deep because I'm like, I'm sure whatever's gonna meant to come up will come up in conversation. But I saw that you had a lot of Instagram followers. So probably mm -hmm. people have seen you on Instagram. That's true. Yes. <laughs> I am currently Cyber Fairy Wench on Instagram. I used to do a lot of posts on mental health and yoga stuff. I did my yoga teacher training in 2019. So I would say in the Toronto space, I'm active there. And I also have another Instagram account, which is my business account that I just started recently. It's cyber fairy dot space oh lord <laughs> and that one I started making reels and I do these mood board vi curated visuals just to help support like the 2022 goals as January takes us one of the things that I saw that you posted it was really cool you were like I am calling in this energy and it was a bunch of men in a workout session oh and God, yes do you remember what i'm talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> i was like if nothing else that is exactly what i needed to see because i loved it that on the episodes i've been talking about calling in more joy and more of that childhood play 
And these people were absolutely embodying that. It mm-hmm. was, I mean, for crying out loud, they're they're having resistance bands, like resistance, the name itself, it's like drudgery, painful, whatever. You have all these connotations associated with resistance, but they have these resistance bands and oh my gosh, they're making it look fun and sexy and they're just enjoying being alive. And it's so mm-hmm. fun and playful. But you can kind of see the difference because not everybody in the room is as in the moment, <laughs> appreciating it for what it is as there are especially two people that your eye is kind of just drawn to. But there were some people in the background who would be your normal, how I would think I would be behaving. <laughs> just normal. I'm like, this is heavy. I'm yeah. in an exercise class. <laughs> but it really just showed the, the dim- difference for me in a very vivid way about how I can experience life. I can be those people in the background who were just doing, having a normal workout session. And then you had the people who had the extra umph and were just that extra pizzazz and they were bringing playfulness and everything into it. If you would send me the link to that and then I'll put it in the show notes that we can share that magic with everybody. Of course. (laughs) I, I found that video on TikTok. And now that you mentioned the contrast, like, one of the things that also brought into my attention when I was watching it is that their platforms were bricks, their cement bricks. And to see that softness and playfulness in those two, it really is like, damn, we really can put everything to use. And then when I think about me being at the gym, if ever that is a thing, <laughs> I, you know, it's like a meditation process, but also a rambling of the brain of like, what am I doing today? What should I be working through? But in contrast, the two main in the, in the front, they're just like voguing and they're just ready to like embodying their dance moves. And it's just like, how can I be more present with this song at the gym instead of being like one rep, two rep? Am I having broccoli for dinner for (laughs) but play is something that I like to integrate I would say accidentally on purpose as like uh Libra rising everything is just fun to share with love and I feel like that's what fun means to me (laughs) well guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose the most fantastic word. I don't know what your word is, so maybe it's fantastic too, but she chose the word luxuriate. Okay. Oh. So for listeners, the episode hasn't been released yet, but whenever people are going to hear, they're going to hear me talk about my mushroom coffee with the uh, functional mushrooms and how I felt good about what I was drinking. And just in all transparency, I I want to show what I'm drinking today and I refuse to feel bad about it. I'm going to luxuriate and just really enjoy whatever it is that I'm treating myself with. So you are tasked to try and somehow fit that word luxuriate into our conversation today. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I have never used the word luxuriate. Yeah, like it's a verb. It's it's interesting. <laughs> okay. 
But you also get to choose a word for our next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or something that just resonates with you right now. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Mm. Man, I was trying so hard to think about this. <laughs> I was like, what word? I have so many words. Mm. Ugh, the first thing that comes to mind is literally. And I'm like, what? Everyone literally uses literally. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's coming up is like imagination in a way. I know it's not something that's rare, but I would love to see just hmm, imaginative. <laughs> like, how do we make, how, how do I luxuriate this word, imagination? <laughs> imaginative. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I really appreciate the people in my life who are imaginative and can create a, a story because we're always putting stories and creating stories around things in life. So I appreciate the people in my life who bring a, a cool story to what's happening. So like, again, we're going back to the TikTok video, you could tell that there was a different story that those two people were playing in their head as opposed to the other people in the room who were just working with resistance bands in a, in a workout. Yeah. So, okay, imaginative, I like it. Well, like I said, I didn't have an opportunity to really dig too deep into what you're all about. So can you explain to our listeners that when you saw I put out the call for whoever was interested in sharing the thing that they're doing out in the world, what made you decide to uh, take me up on that and show up today? Mm -hmm. I think it was just the feeling of your energy because it did feel playful and it was like, Definitely the dream interpretation was a huge pull for me because I love my dreams and my dreams are always these incredibly detailed, fantastical sci-fi moments in my life. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and I've actually never been on a podcast so I thought it would be cool to kind of just put myself out there by putting my etheric self as a share <laughs> mm, I love it so what are the things that Ingrid is excited about what I'm excited about is now I'm just like stuck on thinking about dreams but truly dreams in the sleeping state and then dreams in the alive state. <laughs> and just how much imagination is a part of dreaming about what you want for your future. And especially in this current climate, we get to spend so much more time dreaming. And it is a luxury to have the time to dream. And I could only say that the environments that we surround ourselves in, holisticism, for example, we dream about holding each other and giving each other space. I love dreaming about literal clouds and being like this little, just a uh, angel cherub, just being like, let's sprinkle some fun for everybody, <laughs> just, you know, just to brighten people's day. I'm currently in this Kundalini workshop. It's like a 40 day thing. And 
her name is Krista and they're calling it big angel energy the 40-day practice and it's really sweet because as a kundalini practice there's this thread that we're doing so it's like a different person every day during the 40 days that's teaching the practice but as the thing that connects us all we do this kriya the specific set of movements at the end of each lesson that it's really cute so we do this thing where we're basically circling ourselves and our auric field with our arms to reactivate to clean to dust off our energetic fields our big angel energy and we're just floating along through this virtual space because we can't see each other in person to still be like yeah i see you and i can go through the same process with you and we're just holding each other even if we are just doing it by ourselves well such an isolation mood where we get to dream about being with each other and we get to strengthen our dreams in our own spaces i love the idea of kundalini it's been one of those things that have been coming up for me i've had this long-term interest in it but it's never been something that I've felt like I've had any opportunity to actually get involved with because, I mean, there's a lot of yoga around, but not anything that's specifically Kundalini. And I don't know, I feel as though like some of the themes behind what separates Kundalini yoga from the rest is kind of what I need. So what drew you to uh, Kundalini yoga? Mm-hmm. I kind of just fell into it, into my friend group where one of our friends was doing their kundalini training and it was a Filipina woman who was leading it. For me to see someone of color teaching a yoga class, and this is like 2018 era, where to me, yoga was this Lululemon heavy white person space. And I'm just like, yeah, love it. But you know, to see someone else who looks like me, it's like, oh, wait, I can also be that. This is something that we can do. Like that's, it's just this different understanding. And, and then beyond that, her as a person, she just speaks so esoterically and the way, so I'm talking about my other friend, Renalyn and Krista, they're very intertwined together. They've taken the same classes together and they have this way of creating Kundalini accessible for people that doesn't have this heavy dogma to it that it can have because it does have these strict rules. It has these kind of prescribed practices and to have these like esoteric hippie 70s groovy vibe personas talking about these practices, it helped me to feel less intimidated by it because yoga in itself you know if you've never done yoga before it can just be like oh my god there's all these sanskrit words and then there's all these movements that i have to learn but to call something we're just dusting off our energetic fields and making it more tangible for the new age both it it just seemed fun so have you noticed it improving your your life, your quality of life with the the Kundalini practice? 
Mm-hmm. So I actually took a really long break with Kundalini, probably when the pandemic isolation started. And because before that, I was very deep into it. And the practice became this very strong propelling force of, how can I set this example? So one of the things about Kundalini is you get prescribed a set of movements and then depending on what your goal is, and it's usually a chunk of days of exertion. So you have like 11 days or 21 days, etc. And this could be for any practice, right? When you sort of just dive into something, you allow yourself to be comfortable in moving towards that goal so easily. So it became this very strong manifestation force where I felt like I was running a marathon for a very long time. And when things slowed down around me, then I suddenly noticed how fast I was going. And it's kind of like when you're working out and then maybe you're doing jumping jacks and then when you stop and then when you try to jump again, you're like, oh, now everything's heavy again. So that as an example, Kundalini kind of helped me to have this link of if you keep going, you know that you're going. And when you feel uncomfortable, it's making the decision of keeping your arms up and doing whatever it is that you're doing. And knowing that if you put your arms down, it will be a lot heavier and accepting, is that something that you want to put on yourself? Do you want to take that break? I don't know. I'm like, oh, words. Oh my God. (laughs) So yes, it definitely changed my life. (laughs) There's a lot to say to it. I'm just getting conscious about how much I can say about it. Well, I'm, in, I'm interested in hearing as much as you feel like you want to say about it, I guess. I mean, I get it's possible that I don't even know what Kundalini proper mm. is. So could you describe to our listeners who maybe, I mean, they've heard of yoga, I'm sure it's pretty popular, but maybe not Kundalini so much. So can you describe mm. to us the difference between the two? With yoga there are so many different types of yoga right so there's vinyasa yoga where you have the the specific set of movements and it's very body intensive so it's a workout and then there's yoga nidra where it's a lot more on the relaxed state and i feel it is more like like the yoga nidra practices i would go to would look like relaxing and then lying down and then there's kind of a subconscious story that is being told by the leader and then we kind of just reframe our mindsets and relax and let our subconscious take all that information in now that's just to separate the different versions that exist there's so many and kundalini yoga my experience with it has been about joining mantra so words that you repeat And then kriyas, which are actions and movements. And kriyas are usually made with your hands, your fingers. So like a gyan mudra is something that's pretty popular amongst the yoga community in general. And that's when you bring your thumb to your pointer finger. And, you know, like this is like a pretty popular symbol when you think about Buddhism, for example. And 
one of the esoteric things I love about Kundalini yoga is they bring up the points. So like your thumb is your ego self because you point to yourself. And then the pointer finger, I believe, it might be connected to Jupiter. So it's really fun for people in esoteric realms where in my head, I get to bridge it with astrology and what I know about that. And when you bring your you, this combination of fingers together, your thumb and your pointer finger, it's kind of like you are connecting yourself to an expansion and then you are allowing the ego to kind of rest into that versus always just pointing into yourself. It feels somewhat Chinese medicine too as well. Like who knows who inspired who or if they were just separate entities that spoke a similar language. And even Koreas are involved with your mouth. The way that you speak things, the way that your tongue touches the roof of your mouth, it activates certain nervous points that reach different parts of your brain or your body. And the way that you roll your R or the way that you see the letter tea or the way you breathe. It's such a full body experience that I was able to utilize my body in these different forms, in these different breaths and in ways that are like a lot of the sets would be in a specific time. So when you're doing an hour hour practice, you would do like 11 minutes of lion's breath, for example. They're very intensive. Within those 11 minutes, you're like, holy shit, I'm doing so much action right now. But the knowing of the timeline ending, it's kind of like it lets the self kind of move into it just the same way in the TikTok where we see the folks being just going off with the resistant bands and dancing. It's like, we know this workshop or this workout class is going to end in an hour or the song is going to end in three minutes. So let me go ham and let me do this dance while I'm Be all this in. And- yeah. Yeah. So those are my versions of Kundalini, but it is a very old practice and it was brought to North America by a specific teacher. And there are a lot of controversial things about Kundalini yoga in itself. Ooh, um, juicy. What are they? It's very, <laughs> very juicy. I'm like, oh, do I want to get into this? <laughs> so as most practices and as most um, esoteric teachers. And when things get so large, it kind of becomes a human versus a teacher versus a channeler. And Yogi Bhajan, he was the one that brought Kundalini Yoga to North America. And in 2020, there were things that came out about him about abusing his power and trigger warning, sexual assault and just very familiar things that we hear about from yogic teachers. That's one thing. And then there is this kind of rule of wearing all white and wrapping your head in a white um, hat or even like a turban or so-and-so. And an external looking in, it looks very culty because it has all these sets of rules. So it is a very controversial place because it's also very old practice so there are a lot of things (laughs) and because it's because it has such power I believe I know a lot of celebrities love kundalini 
and then it kind of gets gentrified by the white community and there's this kundalini i think it's like what's it called i personally loved it because it was online oh rama tv and their teacher passed away or their their main leader oh my god i don't even know what to call them like this this sounds culty and stuff (laughs) but the main person who grew the rama community she passed away i believe last year and you know when it comes to powerful powerful forces there's just so many stories that linger around so feel free to look into that if you want to it is you know one of the things that ask you for your own discernment of which parts of the practice do you want to carry do you also want to carry the rest of this lineage and I think that's something that I had to confront during the pandemic because all of the all of the stories that came about Yogi Bhajan happened in the beginning of the pandemic and I was like oh I'm so new to this community and now I'm learning about these bad things about this person that supposedly was the source of kundalini for North Americans. So it is a lot. And because it causes so many shifts in the body, for example, with physical workouts, you can see the physical difference and then your mental health can also reap its benefits. But with kundalini yoga, it is particular in creating those subtle shifts, those subtle minds, your spiritual changes your energetic and just your brain and body so that's why it's such a powerful force because it engages and activates all of the different types of bodies and not just the physical body that we use yeah it's really interesting i i like that you were calling for personal discernment when it comes to figures because I think it's been brought to the forefront with a lot of the cancel culture. And I hesitate to even use that because I'm not that familiar with it, but it just seems like people, if they can drudge up something against an individual, their, their personality or their past or something about their particular human experience, that that necessarily cancels or kind of nullifies anything that they were putting out into the world that was helpful. And so I like that you're calling for personal discernment where we can say, okay, maybe the person themselves, they made bad choices or they weren't perfect. Big surprise, right? But yet these things that they were proponents of, that they, they were championing, championing, were actually helpful and good. And we can incorporate and integrate some of those things without throwing away the baby with the bathwater. And so, yeah, I like that because I think, I think it's human, just human nature to, if there's someone that we don't agree with, to find something that in about them or their belief system that we don't like to, to discount them and then to ignore the things about the people that we feel are on our camp One of my examples is that I think almost everyone loves Martin Luther King Jr. As of the day of this recording, we just celebrated his day yesterday. And the thing is, is that he was not a perfect person either. I mean, if we go back into his history, 
there was infidelity and so forth. And it's like, are we going to throw away all the things that he was championing, championing about like nonviolence and all these things? No, of course not. We love that. And we can accept that he was a person who made choices that we don't necessarily have to agree with, but that doesn't cancel out exactly everything that he believed in. And maybe I'm going, I'm stepping on toes, but I think maybe even when it goes to our founding fathers, I think there were some things that they put into the constitution that were really great. And then other people, they're, they're pointing to things that they did to discount them. They were evil and et cetera, and just vilify them. So I, I love the personal discernment where we don't necessarily tell anyone else what to believe or what to accept and what's good for them. But yeah, just allowing that for ourselves, what serves us and what can we let go because it doesn't. And so I really enjoy that. We were talking about the Kundalini rules as well, just keeping what serves you and then discarding the rest. So Mm -hmm. when I give the Akashic record readings, some of the people who had given me readings before, so I've incorporated in mine, you, you tell the person that whatever resonates with them, whatever serves them, they keep it. And if it doesn't, toss it, throw it away yeah. because you're not going to let something outside of you that doesn't ring true dictate how you're going to, you know, live your life <laughs> and how you're going to make your choices. So exactly. I also, I think the thing that was luring me to the Kundalini yoga was the whole subtle shifts that you were talking about with the mental health, because I've had my own mental health journey. And I think that's what was calling to me about it. And you mentioned that with your, at least one of your Instagram accounts, that that had been a lot of the purpose behind it was posting about mental wellness, right? Can you explain to us why you got involved in that and how you found Instagram to be a helpful platform for that. Mm-hmm. So I have a long story or a very fun experience <laughs> with mental health and mental health disabilities. So for me at the time, what I was seeing was some of the people that I look up to on Instagram, they were talking about their mental health journey and I became friends with them in real life and I could see how much it affects them and I could see how little people have no idea about that. And even for me, when I would post anything about my mental health on social media, they would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I hope you're okay. And to me, I'm just like, oh, I was just sharing a story. This happens to me every day. This is not new. So the contrast is that. And then I have people that will reach out and be like, hey, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that these were the words to what I was feeling, going through, etc. So it is this very this moment of representation that was important for me to bring about. Because when I started my public mental health journey, this was probably around 2017. This was when I was really starting to get serious and like getting to understand my own mental health disabilities. When 
it was like something that made sense for me to talk about before that I would just be making self-deprecating jokes and that was so easy right Mm -hmm. and then once I understood oh I'm perpetuating my own sadness by doing this it's not going to change by changing words but for me to shift the language on my Instagram was kind of like oh this is an easy story to tell because I can still make the self-deprecating jokes but then have a different story in the same post to turn it around and be like I like to make fun of myself because this is what I know right now and I'm also working on being nicer to myself and noticing the difference of like oh haha that was so funny oh my god it's so true versus oh my god that's so funny let me give love to that girl let's say just be a little bit more tender so it was this practice of writing and sharing and being vulnerable to help people be more aware of yes a pretty girl like me I'm sad (laughs) it's it's not easy for a lot of people to talk about it period and in my real life it's something I just blab about because air signs so (laughs) it made sense to me to do it in person and then when Instagram became more like a conscious effort I was like right I'm having conversations like this in person I also want to let people see that they can have conversations about this online. So did you already have a substantial Instagram following before you you brought up the mental health? Or did you find that as you were bringing up the mental health, that more people came on board and started following because they resonated with it? Hmm, That's a good question. Did I actually pay attention to that? This is me reflecting (laughs) on my life. There was a point where I was very conscious about, I need to grow followers, et cetera. And just looking back at it, what I really noticed was the community that I was building and how when I spoke about mental health more, not only was the Instagram algorithm being like, okay, let me show you more of that. For me, it was more like this practice of getting to know myself further. And I think the vulnerability itself, whether or not it was mental health related, it did bring people in. It did grow my following, my audience, but also I was able to connect with people more authentically because I was connecting with myself authentically. It's kind of this focus that I created with myself. I was like, I want to talk about mental health. And then I suddenly found people in my life online in person that was going through the same um, journey. So when people contact you, do you have a lot of private messages going on on Instagram, people reaching out to you, or is it a bunch of of, uh, likes, little thumbs up or hearts? (laughs) I, hmm, I definitely have a lot of DMs coming in, just like conversations, casual and reactions to stories. So I'm 30 and I've been very internet heavy for half of my life now. (laughs) And Wow, it's so crazy to get asked this question of what is your interaction and engagement like online? And to really look at it is different because to me, I was just like, yeah, I just talk to people online. It's just natural in that way because of my progression of being on the internet, of talking to people online, period. But to answer your question, there are a lot of DMs and we just talk about memes and we talk about things that I repost. I find that people find it easier to kind of respond to stories one Instagram stories and then two to kind of relate to meme type 
shares or infographic shares? I guess my questions are because I'm not that savvy about Instagram. I mean, I think last year I started posting stories. So I'm getting a little uh, better about that. But I guess I'm interested in how people on Instagram start to get a following. Did you have one of these uh, moments where you broke the internet, where there was like this, what do they call it? There's this breakout post where it was, oh my gosh, that's, thank you. (laughs) So was it something that you did that was viral that put you on the radar for people? Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting too, because I'm like, I only have 1800 followers and I'm like only in my head. But then if I think about that as a group of human beings, I'm like, that's 2000 people in a room. There are towns in Texas (laughs) a lot smaller than that. So, (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Maybe that's also the difference of me seeing that because I live in the city and it's like just people all the time. (laughs) I would say my best friend at the time at some point where I was really engaging in my yoga teacher training and I had this year where I gave myself a sabbatical and I literally went through all the therapies ever (laughs) so I did like DBT CBT for for a short while it just uh DBT I did it in like this nice environment that was more modern and then CBT in the hospital environment I was like oh this is less helpful to me than more painful and then I did the yoga teacher training. So it was like a ground up therapy. Anyway. As you, so I think I have a book about DBT and it's Ooh. dialectical behavioral therapy. Isn't that what it stands for? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that about changing the way that you talk to yourself? I can't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah, kind of. It's literally about dialect, right? It's, it's kind of this tangible form of therapy that you can use the things in your surroundings and how you can use those things to ground yourself. And then it also talks about ways on how you can use specific words. I remember using the, oh, what is that? It's like something man. <laughs> it's this form where these letters indicate different ways of how to ask for something and how to create a boundary about something. Uh, what is it? It's It's really... Well, you're going to remember, and then I'm going to put it in the show notes. (laughs) Reframing the self-talk, it can be something really small. I found myself doing that yesterday. I went to the car and I realized I had forgotten my purse. And so I came back into the house and I told the dog, forgot my keys. But then I was like, you know what? I remembered my keys. (laughs) That's why I'm here because I remembered (laughs) my keys. And so it was just, for me, it was just that aha moment. Okay, this is how I can be good to myself. Because the first I forgot my keys kind of speaks to some of the memory issues I feel like I have. But then also I remembered my keys. That's the pat on the back. I didn't forget and go to work because I had done that before too. I remembered. And so it's just being the good to yourself and reframing the same exact thing, just in a different way. And it can change how you experience it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that reframe. That's so good. I, I tend to beat myself up for doing that as well. I'm an ADHD squiggly brain. So I will be like, oh, I forget things all the time. 
But you can only know that you forgot something if you remembered it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, DBT does a lot of that, right? Of noticing the thought and like, is it true? Or what are the facts? And then reframing the emotion for it. Oh, I also remembered what it was. It does, dear man. Dear man. Okay, that is, it's ringing a bell. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I think I have the book, hold on. Okay, yes. So this is the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Skills Workbook. And I loved it because for one thing, it's a workbook, which means you can interact Mm. with it and write in it. And that's the kind of stuff I love where it's not just one way, it's more like a conversation. And so I love that. And the subtitle is Practical DBT Exercises for Learning Mindfulness, Interpersonal Effectiveness, Emotion Regulation, and Distress Tolerance. That is such a sexy title for me. Yeah. (laughs) We love it. Emotion Regulation and Distress Tolerance? Yes, I'm there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I did DBT, I did it with a, with a, whoa, I did it as a group work. And one of the examples that they gave us for distress tolerance is embodying the energy and the practical tool was if you're really angry, grab an ice cube and then hold it in your fist over the sink. And it's like that feeling of aggression. And then you watch the ice melt. And then one, you get the icing effect. So you are literally cooling down. You're physically cooling down your nervous system. And then you allow the emotion to run through. And then you see the ice melt and you're like, all done. (laughs) It's just a cute example. Yeah. I love that story. So I had totally interrupted you because you said DBT and I was like, oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it because I haven't done it in a professional setting with a a counselor, but I enjoyed the workbook and I can see that I didn't get past page 22, Mm -hmm. but I was enjoying it. And so maybe I need to pick it back up. So you were saying DBT and CBT is the cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. what's the difference do you know honestly I didn't practice enough of it I was too distracted by the environment that I was in you didn't realize you'd be coming onto a podcast as some type (laughs) of a uh, counseling expert, some sort of mental health expert. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, this is what I try to be online and now I'm being accountable for it. <laughs> no, honestly, my experience with CBT was like, it really is the environment and the amount of growth you're allowed to be given. So the DBT group, I went to a specific non-for-profit organization that was for youth. So I was under that bracket at the time. And Obviously, the counselors were younger, and it was just like more casual in comparison to the CBT, which was a clinical environment. And, you know, it's just hard to feel like you have homework to do versus I have worksheets to work on because these questions have been reframed for the more modern person. So I feel like a lot of it is very similar, and DBT has from what I felt from it, that it incorporates more actual mindfulness tools versus CBT. My experience was, it just talks about the experience of the facts that are happening versus even offering meditation as a moment 
to connect yourself back into yourself. So I was doing DBT and CBT in that year. And then I was doing my yoga teacher training. So I was doing all these heady mindfulness brain upper level body therapy. And then my yoga teacher training happened just a little bit after that. So it became a ground up type of movement, which it creates a different interaction in your brain because instead of trying to reframe your head and forcing your neural pathways to reconnect, you kind of end up allowing your body to move through the actions and also feel those emotions at the same time. A lot of the times when we talk about feeling our emotions, it's just like, what does that mean? I'm just going to be sad. <laughs> but this was like a TikTok that I saw recently where they were like, when you feel your emotions, try to find it inside of your body. And then it's kind of like a mindfulness type of way of focusing a feeling in the body instead of the story of the sadness. Anyway, I'm just going on tangents all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> No, I love it. And it reminds me, and I'm so thankful for this because this gives me the opportunity to put into the show notes, a link to a podcast that I loved. I listened to it last week and it was going on about kind of like that root to rise type thing. And I had heard that phrase before, and I still don't really think I know the whole thing, but how they described it in the podcast was that you can have all of this restructuring of your thoughts, manifestation and mindset and all this. But if your body doesn't feel safe, if it's not ready, it doesn't matter what's going on up here, how many, how many mindset coaches you hire and all those things. If your body is still not feeling safe because you haven't processed emotions and, and so forth, then it's just not going to fit. It's not going to take. And they gave the the word picture of say you live in New York city and you're in one of those little tiny, tiny, you know, apartments yeah. and you have this beautiful grand piano and you're trying to fit it inside this apartment. And they were like, even if you were to disassemble the whole thing to fit it into the apartment, you couldn't you could not put it back together as a piano in the apartment because there's simply not room. So uh, they likened it to that. You have this beautiful thing, this beautiful instrument, this tool, but if it can't fit, like the body's not ready and it's not receptive, it's going to feel like a lie and you're, you're going to reject it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. You're going to reject it. And it's not going to stick. So they were talking about the reverse is true. So what they were saying is that as your body re uh, learns to relax and that it's safe and that emotions are okay and you're processing them, the old stories, if you're telling yourself something negative, that's going to feel like a lie as well. And you will find yourself discarding those old stories that no longer fit in favor of the healthier ones, the happier ones, because your body can sense you know, the truthfulness of it for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I love that visual of a grand piano in a tiny New York home. <laughs> yeah. It worked for me too. I was like, that, that's really great. I, I'm so visual. Yeah. It really helps to process it. And I think the other thing I wanted to say actually was like, emotions live in your body. So in the same way of the New York home, even if you can fit a grand piano, what about all of the other things in your home? Does that really even make sense? And processing emotion through the body is like that is when 
we go and feel those, um, I don't want to say feelings, but to feel like the tenseness in your back or, you know, like your body is speaking to you and to create space, you do have to make ease into like those muscles to let it be like, okay, I'm ready to receive new information or I'm ready to move on to the new timeline, et cetera. I had a podcast guest on and she was all of, uh, she's the intuitive tarot reader. And mm-hmm. I had taken her, uh, her free, what was it? Something discover your intuition course. I think I'm getting it wrong, but it was a, a free mini course that she had provided. And most of it was just relaxing. And I had been really surprised at the time, but then when I had her on the on the podcast, I just kept likening it to uh, to sex, like how it's you really need to be relaxed and receptive before you know anything else happens. Because yeah, and oh, because it's so true. <laughs> you need to be to be ready, and I think all of us we have like this end goal of what intuition or spirituality or even just a good life looks like, and we we want all of that like now, <laughs> yesterday, and but we we don't put the time and effort into all the preparation work the becoming receptive, the relaxing into what is in the moment. We're just so tense of like trying to make something happen now. <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, I've been having this thought of like how I'm the type of person who's able to manifest relationships easily. And when I'm single, I go through those stages of like forcing things to happen. And I have a Leo Venus, so my love is very like magnified or on fire and just like lion aggressive and loud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I like you a lot. And, so people you know, love sometimes... that. They need that. Like they they need you to be excited about them. Yeah, and then it's like sometimes it gets in the way of I get in the way of myself of being like, do I need to stay in that state or will they not like me anymore? And how even just like staying in that forced state becomes like, oh, it's just uncomfortable. It's obviously forced. And, you know, consciously or not, it's like just trying to please the other person. But anyway, like that's a whole other thing. I just wanted to say something about like manifestation and like the universe and how akin it is to dating and being in a romantic relationship with somebody if that is a practice that's like easy to attain in a way like if you can reflect on relationships like that's what I'm doing right now I'm like how did I get these relationships how can I bring that same like patience and care to me manifesting into the universe because you know I bring my childhood wounds to these relationships and then obviously into business or like school and like all other types of relationships and romantic relationships are just like there's such a tangible and intimate mirror into how we react so that's been something I've been playing with so that was cool that that came up (laughs) 
I was just interested in, I was listening to you, what you were saying, because my daughter has some of the similar placements. She has a Leo moon and Libra sun and maybe a Pisces rising. I'm not sure (laughs) exactly, but yeah, that whole, that Leo energy, she, she does love who she loves and it's it's really cool to see that and then with the the libra energy she does try to people please but i can just speak for myself that since having embarked on my self-improvement looking inside at what's there it has kept me from being so dissatisfied in a relationship because once the newness is over, it's like, okay, I need something else now, right? I want to feel courted. I want to feel dated. I want to be the center of someone's universe and the best thing since sliced bread. And, but you know, life happens and there's a routine and it's hard to keep up that facade of newness. And so instead of looking outside of myself for that external validation, I have found that my relationship with my partner is so much richer now that I've been looking inward and trying to be my own best friend and, and, and that kind of thing. So hopefully, I think he's probably noticed a, a big difference. I know I don't drink as much. That was like one of my fallback <laughs> My default things was I was just so dissatisfied. I'd come home from work and just try to numb. And so I would drink or, or watch TV or whatever it was. So I, I find myself having to numb less from myself. And it's helped my, my relationships with probably everybody, but especially in my romantic relationship not needing that external validation because it's never going to be quite enough, you know, (laughs) because I, I feed off that constant affirmation and my husband's love language is not uh, words of affirmation, especially when you speak different love languages, Mm -hmm. it can be a little challenging at times to feel loved, but yeah, just giving that whatever it is that you need from yourself So you feel whole and complete. And then whatever you get from that other person is just, you know, the cherry on the top. It's the, the frosting that makes life better, but. Mm -hmm. And I share each other's overflow. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Nonsense with Natalie Corner. I'm your host, Natalie. Um, and I have a joke for you. Are you ready, Mom? I'm ready. Oh. Okay, so how do you measure a snake? I don't know. I don't know. In inches, they don't have feet. (laughs) Okay, that's Mm -hmm. a good one. Thank you very much. And mom found one. Oh yeah, I found one. What does a dentist call their teeth x-rays? 
Toothpicks. Yeah, she already heard it. So. Yeah, I did. This is a good one. All right, until next time. See ya. hijacked the conversation <laughs> i feel like we keep jumping around <laughs> i'm like no i'm like it's also me <laughs> okay so we did dbt cbt and then what was next yes yeah, so i did my yoga teacher training and i think do you remember what your question was i think it had <laughs> to do with instagram <laughs> oh i was asking if there was a viral post mm. Okay. Did we answer yes. that? I can't remember. I did not answer that. That is okay. what I was getting to. I was like, these were the stepping stones, but mm, there was no specific viral post. It was more so being reposted by these communities actually helped a lot. What I was saying was my best friend at the time, we were doing a lot of yoga things together. We were doing photo shoots together and she's an Instagram influencer. She's 60K or something. And her posting me and having my face seen in that was what kind of brought in more larger hordes of followings, quote unquote, versus my day-to-days. Let me just stop you right there. Comparison is the killer of so yeah. much, right? So I can see how you're saying with your followers in comparison to your friends, there's a huge difference there. And here I am asking you, like you're this big Instagram star, which in my world you are because that's a lot of followers in my, in my world view. Yeah, it's just so interesting how we put other people on these, uh, not pedestals per se, but we see what they've uh, accomplished or or and the value that we see in terms of numbers numbers really create such a different value so i hear that and i think for me truly what i see num- following count is just a number in a way that there's this relationship with it where it's like i want more and then it's like i'm good and it is the ongoing relationship of showing up to it and So knowing that um, posting consistently makes such a huge difference. For example, so my business account, it currently has like 70 followers and I opened it in October, made like five posts, have five friends following it or something. And then January 1st was when I decided to post consistently. And from there, I've posted maybe twice a week now, which still isn't a lot, really, in terms of the content creator realm. But just that, the act of showing up, sometimes it's so, the answers are so simple and it's kind of annoying. It's like, I already know that, but it's like, but do you do it? And this is me talking to myself. I'm like, do I do that just because I know what to do? And in the fall, just this past fall, I was building a relationship with my altar because I never had an altar before for my spirits and my ancestors and showing up to them and just speaking to them or reading a thing to them became a practice where I've kind of integrated that into my relationship with Instagram and acting as my business being like, well, I literally just tell them what I like 
and my ancestors are like, wow, thanks for visiting me. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of the engagement that I've been getting. It's wow, thanks for posting. These are the literal words that I'm getting, but it's hard the comparison even you looking at my following me looking at other people's followings and the knowing of scrolling through the content and how easy it is to consume so much it's easy to forget how even those posts like for me when I'm on a scrolling rampage where I'm still in those moments being like wow that post resonated with me wow, the work in this post was so nice, this is so pretty, etc. It still engages within the human being. It activates this heartwarming moment of thank you. I don't know, the idea of YouTube content creators and their, what's the word I'm looking for? Their clickbait type captions and the way that they speak things and be like, this is how you make followers, blah, blah, blah. And how it becomes like, oh, I'm not enough. It is just this reframing of, right, the value versus the number is such a difference. And it is creating a relationship. And that's how sometimes I think about how do I show up in my relationships? And my romantic relationships are just a big part of me. So they are just an example I like to look to. And when in the beginning stages, I'm very hyper-focused in relationships and I'm sharing a lot and listening a lot as well. That's what creates that feeling of connection. Mm-hmm. And we can look at it through a marketing way of share so that people can find you and engage with your followers. But then it's also like share a part of your heart, of your authenticity, of being vulnerable in whatever way that means you know I make a lot of things and I'm still like is this a draft or do I send this out that's still a vulnerable part of me I'm a Virgo I'm like everything has to be perfect these are parts of me that are like I know about that people really close to me know about and then it's like okay do I share this it's not a thought sometimes sometimes it's just like okay I'm happy with that but then it can also be hoarding in a way, just knowing where we are in life and how much connection is craved. And I love sharing. It's just that I don't see past the people that I talk to because I'm just like, no one needs to see this. It's fine. (laughs) I just made it for fun. So yeah, the numbers... um... I know when I first started the podcast, it was one of the things that was kind of upfront and center because whenever I would log in to upload a new episode onto the, the, the platform, it would have their big and center, how many listens, et cetera. And I kind of wish it wasn't there because <laughs> it would help me feel better because I know it's just a number and the, gosh, so it can go one of two ways. I know for one thing, it is just a number and that the people who are meant to hear you are going to be coming into your realm of influence or whatever. You're going to be connected with like, like and like energy. But the the numbers, it's kind of like, 
the number of people that you are able to affect and help. I guess affect or, I mean, that sounds kind of like you're trying to (laughs) (laughs) manipulate them, but number of people that you are helping. So when you have more numbers, some people think of it when you look at numbers as, oh, it gives you validation or whatever. Sometimes it can come from that perspective of just wanting to be a helper and like, this is the number of people I'm helping and I wanted to help as many people as possible. But then that still, for me, speaks to that wounding, that need to be the helper, the healer, when that's not my job. People are healing themselves. And I've heard this from a lot of my podcast guests. People heal themselves. And we're just here to, you know, help that along, facilitate it. And it may just be this one episode, and then they're on to something else on their journey. But yeah, the numbers really can play mind games with you in more than ways than one, right? Because I, again, it can feed into that I need to be a helper and I need to help as many people as possible. No, that's not actually your job. Your job is to be you and to do your magic and whoever's meant to connect with that will connect. But, and then you were talking about the uh, Instagram scrolling I have recently put into place some guidelines for myself to not be as plugged in um, because I was finding my goals. I want to do this newsletter and I want to edit this podcast and I still work part-time and I have a family and I get to take my daughter to all these extracurricular (laughs) activities. And so my house was a mess. There were unfolded baskets of laundry and I hadn't put in my curbside order for groceries, et cetera. I'm like, something has to change. And so I need to be more conscious of how I spend my time. And one of those was this little gadget here. And so I was telling myself, we'll see how how this helps because it hasn't been in place very long. But one of my guidelines for myself was, I need to have a purpose in mind for picking this up. Like I need to look at it as more of a tool than anything else. So if I'm wanting to find out the time, I can look at my watch. I'm not wearing it today, but I can look at my watch. If that's the purpose, the only intent of finding out the time, I can look at my watch. If I'm expecting an email from someone, sure, I can check, etc. But just the the mindless scrolling is not good for me. But of course I'm going to do it because I'm a human being and I know that about myself that I'm not going to be strong at all times. And so it's important to have a backup plan of sorts in which you look at the quality of the accounts that you follow. So I have in the past gone through and eliminated those that really weren't aligned with how I wanted to feel or the messages that I wanted my, my brain to hear. And so if I am scrolling, it's high quality stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> usually that, that, I'm, that I'm going through. So I liked how you were saying that it, when you're scrolling, there can be that, that feel good thing that sticks with you, even when you are just scrolling. Yeah. And it's such a small impact in the moment, but even like a cat video I love seeing them I have a cat obviously so I love seeing cat videos I'm like I need to get another cat 
Um, I have an episode and, that's mm. called We Could Have Used More Cats. <laughs> so, it was about my daughter's dream and some uh, synchronicities that happened in the waking dream. But anyway, you might find that interesting <laughs> to listen to later. But. That's so cute. I love that. I always dream about my cat. In my dream, she actually comes and hangs out with me as my little guide protector or just hang out. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Okay. <laughs> okay. So I think to get back on track, we were talking about your friend that you were doing yoga stuff with. And then I guess you answered the question. No, there really wasn't any one viral video that did that. So uh, I find myself asking the question I said I wasn't going to ask. So what is it that you, that you do? <laughs> what do you offer people who come to you? Just from looking at your website, I couldn't quite tell because I was looking at it really briefly, what it is that you, that you offer. I love this feedback because it is something that I am constantly working on. My elevator pitch in a way or a landing page to be like, who am I? So right now I am working on this still and it's going to be a space for clarity for women entrepreneurs and how to mm, use vision boarding as a tool to timeline jump into this next version of yourself, your dream goal, etc. And how you can utilize curated visual tools and help your subconscious just feel more attached to that dream. So Right now, Cyberface Space, I have these reels on mood boarding, and it just shows the different layers that I use. You said moon boarding? What is mood. that? Mood, mood boarding. boarding. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like vision boarding. It's just a different word for it. But the process that I want to create it as, and the reason why I say mood versus vision boarding is... Yes, to use visual photos that represent your goals. So my recent one, I actually have my mental health mood board as a free download and just to get my new newsletter subscribers in. (laughs) So for me, like elevating that feeling. So the few elements that I have in my mental health mood board are a few graphics that have steps on how to or what to do with your mental health even just breathe another one it's i'm relaxed i let go my life is in perfect flow so cute little font or cute little sayings just to help me realign to myself but let me ask are people who come to the are they creating their own mood boards or are you just guiding them through mood boards that you've curated and and created for them what I want to do is to guide people on how to create their own mood board okay I use an iPad app called procreate but what I'm thinking of doing is showcasing how to use canva and pinterest because I also use pinterest and One, it's hard to actually find and search for the things that you want because it's just such a whole world, a whole sea of things. So the curating aspect that I want to share is you can think of the things that you want to reach. So you can think of like maybe something more tangible. Let's say my career mood board. That's also as one of my reels. And the photos that I have on there, I have a pile of mail orders to be sent out. And then I have a bed and it's from this room that I've been wanting to go look at vacation for. I have some lady luck type of signs. So like cherries, the number seven. And 
the luggage and then something that said CEO. And it's like, yeah, these are all aesthetically nice. And for me, I'm a very visual person. But what was important to me was to really look at the photo and to find in myself the emotion that it brings up in me in the same way that you can charge your crystals and set an intention to your crystal. It's like, what is this image? What do I want to charge with it? What is the intention? What is the feeling that I want to get when I do see that image in my own personal life manifest? How do people support you in your quest to help them? Are people buying the access to these mood boards or how are they, how are they helping support you? Me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it is still in the baby process, right? I just started everything in January and what I want to build is like a this workshop. Month. Yeah, this month. I was like, oh my God, it's January 18th. Like January last year? <laughs> like yeah, no, month. literally this month. Um, so the actual business side of itself, it is still very new. I haven't made money off of it just yet. I am still building and growing my audience. And what I want to make out of this specific offering is to have it as a workshop or a masterclass or a program that is still in the build out stage, like figuring out what people actually want. But on my personal account, how did I make money is a lot of it was just like personal sharing. But what I was able to create out of my personal Instagram account was networks that gave me modeling opportunities. And then some, I don't have any affiliate things, but just things getting sent to me at least and actual working things. So I used to be like a, I hate job titles, so I can never figure out what the normal job title would be but graphic designer UX designer type vibe so then helping people with their websites is one thing that I used to do a lot and then creating flyers and just content in general is a few of the revenue things <laughs> that okay, I I'm, received I'm from so glad my you online. went with this so well because I know it can be a sensitive question but <clears throat> I'm just interested like from this perspective of I'm in this spiritual space and I have things, but I'm also in my, my real job, <laughs> my other job, the one that brings in the money. And so I'm just interested in how people blend sometimes their dreams that don't make money just yet and ways that they're able to support themselves in the meantime, until whatever they're envisioning actually mm -hmm. comes into fruition was like manifested so thank you for being really open about about that because yeah I was, I'm just curious as to how people get from point a to point b because sometimes we just see the end result right we don't know how people actually go through the steps of, of getting where yeah. they are we just know oh that's what I that's what I want and we don't know how what it took for them to get there so thank you for sharing Definitely. So you are seeing me in my baby stages of my current spiritual business journey. And to answer the question of how I'm making money is I have a part-time job at the moment. I was working a full-time job. I was working a full-time job just until early last fall. So I think I left September, 2021. And that was when I really was able to kind of just take time to 
embody and get to know what this idea wanted to be that I was being pulled into. So mm-hmm. now I'm just in the beginning. I'm a new person. <laughs> this is a new brand. And before this, my personal account was many things. Mm, I, I enjoy people who don't put themselves in boxes. They don't see it as a job title or a box. They see it as a hat that they're trying on and that they have where they wear different hats or they can try on different hats and they don't think that this or what they do defines them. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we actually have to make rent and feed ourselves. So thank you for sharing that. I'm in the process now of figuring out what my blended approach is because I had decided to work only one day a week at my job and cram everything into one day so that I would have more space and time to, to welcome in clients and do all the things that I was enjoying. And it's, it's just happened that I need to go back to work more. And so what I had put into place with my employer was, Hey, I'm still going to be there every Wednesday because I think I said this, and at least I know it in my newsletter. And I think I said it maybe in the past podcast, but I tend to approach life with an all or nothing attitude. And so it's like, either I'm this spiritual person or I'm not, right? So me having to go back to work more often or getting to go back to work more often, I was tempted to say, okay, I failed this whole thing where I was trying to create space for clients and and my projects for the volume didn't (laughs) materialize. Instead of saying, okay, that's not me, I tried it and I failed and it's not going to work. How can I blend the two, not kill that dream and not say that that's not who I am, but yeah, at the same time, you know, like coming to a compromise, which is not generally, again, how I work, I'm like black or white. So anyway, I had told my, my boss, okay, so I'm going to come in every Wednesday and have that blocked off on my calendar. And then the other days of the week, I can come in if there's no one booked on my calendar. And so that has worked out really well for me. And then I was like, okay, I'm done, right? But I was listening to this podcast that said, whatever you were thinking of contemplating at the beginning of Venus retrograde, as it comes crosses that point or whatever, again, you're going to find yourself revisiting or reviewing that I'm like, well, what was I reviewing or revisiting at the beginning? I think it was the whole, let's, let's toss away the all or nothing attitude that doesn't serve me and find a way to blend the two. And I'm having to find myself do that again, maybe with the podcast, because it takes up a lot of, a lot of energy and time, maybe not for someone else, but for me, it, it takes quite a bit of effort to get it out the way I want it. And So the return on the investment isn't quite as much as I would like. There are other things that feed me more, like the uh, feedback I'm getting from my newsletter and so forth. And then I was like, okay, well, let me just not do the podcast. That's me being dramatic. Let me just not do the podcast. And I'm like, you know what? Can I not do the all or nothing again? and find a way of blending it and maybe do a once a month podcast. So instead of 
getting frustrated that I don't have time to fold clothes or make my grocery order, et cetera, just take that pressure off and do maybe a once a month podcast. So I'm not feeling like a failure, but yet I'm not giving it up completely either. So that has been my Venus retrograde uh, journey, but I completely forgot why I even went on that. Oh, I don't know why, but I do know there was something else I wanted to talk to you about. You were talking about the power of pictures and I'm going to take all my sticky notes off of this, but there was, I think it was probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years that this dream house of mine went on the market Mm. and it was so priced out of my, (laughs) my budget. And it's not like I had looked every day on the website for the housing market. I had just felt the sudden urge one day out of the blue to look and I found the dream house. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's meant to be. And I am usually very, I would say very conscious of how I spend my money. But with this house, I was like, oh, it's totally doable. (laughs) And so then when I came to terms with it's not happening, I was kind of upset with the universe. I'm like, obviously you brought it into my awareness just to take it away, like dangle it in front of me and then take it away. I told you I'm so dramatic sometimes and I was upset. But what I ended up doing is, you know, how you were talking about the feeling. What I ended up doing is I printed off a picture and this is just, you have like, these are of course me and my daughter, but this was one of the, the pictures on the website of just the view from the front porch. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved that for some reason. And I'm like, it's some reason that it came into my awareness and maybe because it is of that dream or that feeling or something there that I need to hang on to for however long in the future that. So anyway, yeah, this is right here by my desk. So I love that. I love that. So that's the power of uh, pictures. I definitely have a feeling because as soon as I saw this, Ingrid, I swear, like I could feel myself in the wooden um, rocking chair. I could feel the warm cup of coffee in my hand. I could feel the the crisp autumn air. I could hear the trees in the front yard rustling. It was mm-hmm. such an immersive experience. And I'm like, there has to be some reason that it, I just felt dropped, like kerplunk into this very 3D immersive experience because of this damn picture. And so, <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so beautiful. I feel like that's how I was able to manifest this apartment when we were looking for it. I had to embody the feeling of coming into the house with the door, with with groceries in my arms, being like, oh my God, I'm going to struggle to get in. And just these realistic feelings of, yeah, this is my home. I already know what it feels like to be in there and how that is such a powerful um way to create manifestation so maybe it's not that specific house but maybe you know you'll find something like a different home or maybe you'll go on vacation where you have the exact same feelings and it's like 
this is where you get to recreate it and then maybe you'll get to recreate it in a different way again and again mm-hmm. and it's exciting to see how it's going to play out yeah and like vision boarding it is something that oprah talks about a lot and how she had a vision board i don't know if she still creates them but it's the talisman and the power that we place upon them like knowing that when you look at that picture you already have that feeling you're like oh when i'm gonna sit at the stare at this picture i'm already gonna jump into that place Mm -hmm. and then when you just see it around you're like i know it brings me to a place so it becomes a familiar feeling of knowing it's possible even right, if it's and it just goes a back to the the preparing of the body, making your body feel safe to receive this. Because mm-hmm. even though I had this in my mind, it's possible that if I had been presented with it, I don't know, maybe I would have felt like I didn't deserve that, or like that's too 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 much or too big, or yeah, that's for other people, not for me. But maybe by me just feeling this. And I love it because the viewpoint of this picture is from the porch looking out as though I'm already there. And (laughs) so maybe this is just a way of conditioning my body to feel safe in that space so that whenever it comes around, I will actually be able, I'll I'll have a a larger apartment (laughs) where I can fit that piano in there. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Oh, I love that. I have to print my mood boards too, because we have so many goals for me, my partner's business, and then me, my own business, and then mental health practices and showing up online as a digital altar that it is. (laughs) How can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in Ingrid's Sandbox? Yeah, I'm going to try to make this answer short, and I'm going to tell you a story after. So recently I started a newsletter so you can follow me along there. It will be stories of just like things I've consumed. So like content podcasts and just like things that I'm working on as well. And it should be in the link in bio under cyberfairy.space and fairy is spelled F-A-E-R-Y. And I believe that will be in the show notes. It will. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yes. And then I have a little landing page there. You can also download a mood board that I made, a vision board for my mental health. And that will be available for your desktop. It isn't mobile friendly as of yet. I am going to have to move stuff around to make that a little bit more mobile accessible. But you can find out more about me through my newsletter. It will be the digital love letter format of like, hey, get to know me talk to me let's hang out and you can also follow me through my personal instagram account that's cyber fairy wench and fairy with an i it's confusing i personally think so but should be fine and that's where i hang out at the moment okay my listeners are pretty smart so they'll they they got this i love how in the lifestylist podcast luke's story ends his pods asking his guests uh this question so i'm including it in mine who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from human design is a new experience for me i think that one is a little hard just because of how much information there is to learn about it that's my process for it but 
P the Fury on Instagram. Oh, I, I do. I love her too. Yeah, I love P. And they have this group where they just interact with a few other human design readers. And I've learned so much more from them. They have just more tangible day-to-day how to connect with your authority and also just working with the body or alongside my astrological natal chart. And I would say that's another huge teacher in my life. Um, Looking at astro forecast outside of just looking at my big three or just my sun and looking at how the different planets correlate into my life, kind of like guardians in a way, or your estranged aunts and uncles that you see X amount of times of the year, and they still impact you. (laughs) Do you know your profile? Yeah, I'm a 4-6 emotional generator. And then, so the second teacher would be the uh, astrology transits Mm -hmm. and planets, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. Speaking of which, I recently discovered, you can tell me what your favorite apps are for that. I have one that I have really enjoyed recently. It's called Astro Future. And I have have an iPhone, um, not an Android. So I don't, it may be on both. I'm not sure. But you can look at either your natal chart or your natal chart with transit. So it will tell you right now, what's going on as that could be challenging or beneficial, etc. And then you can also add other people in the settings and you, and you can do a synastry chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I enjoy that. Again, that's called Astro Future. I also love the pattern app. It has been shockingly accurate And the thing Mm -hmm. is, is that it is kind of for people who don't know astrology because it doesn't tell you what planets are interacting, but I I keep it on my phone because it gives me an update every day, either about a pattern reminder. And it has been such, such such a sharp mirror. That's too true. Almost painfully true. Like, watch yourself. You're getting, (laughs) you're stepping a little too close I have in there different people and you can set one as your partner and so I have my husband in there and it will give me reminders ever so often about what's important to him what makes him tick etc or it could be a day that they put up a friend reminder Mm -hmm. and what I love about the pattern is that you can also run a bond between two people and that's kind of how I connected with one of my good friends, Cassie, is because we were in a group and I had said, oh, I just found this new app called The Pattern. And she was the only one who had already downloaded it. And she's like, oh, I'm on there. I knew it was asking her to be very vulnerable, but I'm like, you know, if you want, you can add me as a friend. (laughs) And uh, she was like, sure. And so I ran the connection and it said golden. One of the most rarest connections. And I'm like, how can I let something like this go? There's something here worth exploring. And so we ended up texting back and forth and we ended up meeting, I guess a week or two ago now, Uh, she lives in Mississippi and I live in Texas. Mm. And she's like, you know what? It's not like we live so far away 
that we couldn't find an Airbnb in the middle and meet for the weekend. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So I loved it. And so we actually, we met up and it was really fantastic. We were able to do all of our woo stuff because I don't really have a community, at least locally for me to do that. So we each brought our our spiritual book libraries like there's boxes of it so like yeah go through each other's books and see what we wanted to get for ourselves including oracle decks i only had two but she Mm. had a whole bunch and so you can actually handle the stuff and see what it is that calls to you so it was really neat and we did a soul collage which Mm. i'm not sure if you're familiar with soul collage but it kind of speaks similarly to what you what you do but it's a different process but you kind of create your own deck each card has its mm-hmm. own a sing- has a singular energy to that card and it can be more of a challenging card like the a wounded child or it can be something happy and what you do is you just kind of clip pictures that call to you and i have a whole folder of just clippings and then whenever you sit down to do a soul collage you can pull from your clippings pictures that speak to one theme, a certain theme, and you create a card, a collage card, and then you name it. And then you say, I am the one who, and you speak to the energy of the card. I am the one who trusts in the universe's care or whatever that energy of the card is saying that those pictures are telling you. So it was really cool. We were able to, to do that that weekend and just have fun. I mean, we uh, did a group hypnosis event online together. It was really cool to be able to share that with someone Mm -hmm. else. Plus the same lady who gave us the word luxuriate, she said that she does not believe in guilty pleasures. Like that should be eliminated. You should not feel guilty about any pleasure. So One of the things I had said was my guilty pleasure was I I watched the show Sister Wives almost religiously. I don't know, just something about that dynamic of, 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 yeah, I don't know. There's something about it that I I really enjoyed watching and my husband won't watch it with me. So at least I had my friend there that was able to watch it with me. And it was so cool for the first time having someone to (laughs) indulge in this experience because I don't watch yeah. TV this is like my one exception and it was just neat to have that experience in person and I'm so thankful for the internet and technology otherwise I wouldn't have met her to begin with mm-hmm. but then it's also neat to be able to take that a step further and bring it into I don't know into the same room it's just cool yeah that sounds so exciting like that's so fun I love I miss doing things with my witchy friends. Even just going to a sound bath to lie in sound together. I haven't done that in so long. (laughs) I miss doing that. Okay, so I think you were talking about how people can find you. And then you said you had a story behind it. I don't think you got a chance to tell us the story. Mm -hmm. I think I was just going to say how (laughs) I wrote my first thank you email just for for subscribing. So it is a baby newsletter account, just born, and how it took me so long to make it. And I remember thinking about it when you were talking about recording and editing the podcast. And it's like, it is definitely work. 
for sure. I used to edit a lot of videos before and it's just like it's time consuming, especially when it's yourself. So then it becomes this conscious work of do I like that? Do I like me? Do I not like etc. And then me getting to know this platform, I'm like, why did I just take four hours to do that? But I was literally teaching myself so many things yeah. at the same time as writing and then editing. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> well, that's exciting that our listeners get the opportunity to jump in on such a baby, a baby venture. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one teacher was the human design. And I love human design. I, I offer human design readings on my website and I make sure that people know that it's for beginners, complete novices who don't know anything about human design because human design can get so freaking complicated just like astrology there's layers and layers and layers Mm -hmm. but I decided that human design was such an awesome gift and modality that I wanted like my enthusiasm at least I could share that with other people and I could keep it really basic really simple kindergarten simple and Mm -hmm. that way I love that people could carry it with them as opposed to being overwhelmed with so much that they walk away none the better I think that's such a travesty I've been getting to know human design for at least a few years now and just reading random free shit online not finding people like you who do readings I was mostly just reading the things that they had on the website and I'm Mm -hmm. like these are a lot of words I understand they can apply to me but I'm like I can't actually apply them to myself so Mm -hmm. that's why I was like kindergarten level it's so helpful to carry information with excitement yeah I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing a numerologist uh, Natalie I think she's on Instagram as numbers nat or something like that could be completely wrong but that is what she says that she keeps things kindergarten simple she concentrates on the life path number and this other number because she feels like those are really life-changing she said that The numbers in her numerology blueprint, 15 levels deep, are not the ones that changed her life. It was these these top two. And if she can just have someone really understand and embody and change their life towards these goals, just knowing your life path number and eliminating everything that doesn't help you and Mm -hmm. embodying that, that is so life-changing as opposed to knowing all this stuff in your head and not knowing how to actually put it into an actionable plan. So she came up with the kindergarten simple. So I'm reusing it. I love, I loved that, but yeah. I love that. Human design, including P the fairy. I follow her. She's fantastic. So astrology was number two. Mm -hmm. What was number three? Yes. I didn't get to mention number three and it actually just came up. So it's perfect. Number three is Caitlin from Spirit Garden Tarot. They are a tarot reader, espiritista, and I learned a lot about creating an altar and having conversations with my ancestors through Caitlin. They have this energy of just fun and giddiness, and when I see Caitlin interacting with their ancestors, it feels like it's a conversation and not this daunting I have a question for you. What do you want in the way that I'm imagining Zeus? This is an example of like an ancestor. And yeah, just like this aunt uncle level of, hi, should I do this or not? And 
yeah, just tangible everyday talking to your guides and also with tarot. Was there anything that you wanted to say that you did not have an opportunity to say before we close out? I'm looking forward to see or interact with your listeners or your readers and see if they do resonate with me and just knowing that they're part of your community. And since I'm a baby, I would love some feedback or just to build a connection with different people. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. And sometimes it's awkward for me to say goodbye. I don't know how to know how to do it. So I am recently implementing this new thing and it could be awkward and weird. I don't know, but we're going to try it again. So I'm going to count to three and at the, at the end, we will both say the name of a pizza topping and then I will hit end meeting. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's been a pleasure. One, two, three. Bell cheese. Pepper.